Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. I took a look to my left in my rearview mirror, and as I'm starting to slowly put my truck in motion, there it was. I fucking see a figure behind my truck peeking to check on me as I just got back into it. I felt the worst kind of vomit-inducing dread when the woman talked to me, and it didn't help that the two girls were dead silent in the back of the entire conversation. She looked at me wide-eyed and told me someone was upstairs. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Thanks to Coinbase for supporting Disturbed. Cryptocurrency might feel like a secret or exclusive club, but Coinbase believes that everyone everywhere should be able to get in the door. Whether you've been trading for years or just getting started, Coinbase can help. For a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com disturbed. Welcome back in everyone, and thanks for joining me this week. I'm bringing you five true horrifying tales that will keep you on the edge of your seat. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show hearing from Reddit user Mame Louise, featuring voice work by Tom Aglio. And we see an ominous figure. This one happened a few weeks ago. It all happened really fast in a matter of seconds, but it'll still be a bit long to write to properly describe what happened. Sorry in advance if my English isn't perfect, I'm French. Here we go. So I'm working as a delivery guy for lunch meals in school. I basically start working at 3 a.m., loading my refrigerated truck with all the meals, couple hundreds a day, to deliver to kind of small schools that don't have real kitchens, but they just heat up the meals for the kids at lunch. I have to start the work this early because, of course, all the schools have to be delivered before noon. We also deliver kindergarten and they need the meals before 10.30 a.m. So this morning I've literally just started my delivery round as I was arriving at the very first school I deliver. It's a village next to a big road, kind of on a mountain. And to get to the school, you have to drive all the way up to the top of the village going on little sinuous streets. Then the school itself is a bit offset from the road. There's a few houses around, but on the very spot I stop my truck to make my delivery, There's just the school on one side, and on the other side, there's a few meters large grass band, followed by a parking lot. At this specific spot, there's absolutely no light, since the public lights are off until 5 a.m., and I'm here around 4 a.m. every morning. 
My only way to get some light to get to the door where I need to deliver the meals is to let the engine of my truck run so I can light up the wall of the school with my headlights. Everything else around me is literally pitch black. So I do my delivery, come back out, close the back door of my truck, and I realize I have to take a piss. So I stop by the grass that is just against my truck to do it before hopping back in and leaving. As I said, it's pitch black. I'm literally facing darkness, so I can't see shit in front of me, except for the lights of the city that's like 10 miles away downhill. I'm chilling here while peeing, looking at the sky because there's no cloud, and since there's no public lights, I can see the stars pretty good. Then, as I'm finishing and I put my head back down to my normal line of sight with the lights of the city downhill in front of me, I see a silhouette passing in front of it. Damn, I literally just get goosebumps thinking about it again and writing about it. I can just see the shape of a head and shoulders passing by a few meters in front of me in the darkness. And I only see it because of the city that is far away. At this moment, I was done and closing my belt to get back in my truck. And I kind of instantly freaked out, started walking alongside my truck to get back in. I was behind the truck peeing, not close to the driver's door, thinking to myself, nah, man, that, that was not real. You didn't see a head and shoulders, just some leaves or a branch getting in your view, and you misinterpreted that. But I wasn't buying it at all. I was sure of it what I saw, and I was freaking out. But here's the worst part. Once I'm back in my truck ready to leave, clutching it to get into first gear, I took a look to my left in my rearview mirror, and as I'm starting to slowly put my truck in motion, there it was. I fucking see a figure behind my truck peeking to check on me as I just got back into it. It confirmed I didn't imagine it. There was someone here at 4am in the complete darkness, pitch black, walking here for some reason, just a few meters in front of me. And they could clearly see me, because remember, I left the headlights on to light up the wall. So I'm watching pitch black, but then they can see me clearly, and the engine is running next to me so I can't hear if they would make little noises when walking around. And this person followed me at the back of my truck and peeked at me for whatever reason. I got so freaked out, and I still am. I'm not delivering to this school for two weeks because it's winter holidays here in France, but I'm genuinely scared to go back there. I might be a 6.3 feet, 230 pounds dude, but this is scary as fuck. How could you even hope to defend yourself if someone wants to attack you if they can clearly see you and you can't see them? Hi Chad, I'm listening from England. I'm 36. I'm totally blind and I work as an audio transcriber. So when I finish work, I like to sit at home or somewhere else and turn my phone off and just binge these episodes because your podcasts really give me something to look forward to at the end of each workday if I've had a stressful one. So thanks for the great work and keep it up. And you've got a listener and patron for life. Up next, we check in with Reddit user Brokskiloskitoski, featuring voice work by Tanya Eby, and we realize that something isn't quite right. So about two years ago, I would walk to and from high school. I only live around four blocks away, so it was a brisk walk to and from. I live in a safe neighborhood in the middle of a desirable school district. I know all of my neighbors, even the ones down the block, and recognize everyone on my walk to and from. That's why this shook me up so much. I was walking back home from school one afternoon when a yellow car pulled up just a few feet from behind me. I didn't think anything of it and kept walking, yet they honked at me. I turn around and look at the car, and I vaguely recognized the people inside. There was a driver and two kids my age in the back. 
The driver looked similar to my homeroom teacher, and the two kids looked similar to two twins who are in my grade. I felt as if something was telling me to keep walking and ignore them, but like a horror movie protagonist, curiosity got the best of me and I walked over to the car. When I got closer, I noticed details about the people in the car that seemed off. For one, they looked eerily similar to the people I knew from school, yet each one had just a few details that made them unrecognizable. It felt like the uncanny valley effect. I can't really explain it well unless you know the people in person, but it was like someone had a police sketch of them made ultra-realistic, if that makes sense. When I got to the passenger window, the woman said, Do you know these two from school? And I just said, Um, yeah, I think so. And she nodded and asked if I needed a ride home. I told her my dad would pick me up a block down from here. She asked if I needed a ride down the block, and I told her I would be fine. I felt the worst kind of vomit-inducing dread when the woman talked to me, and it didn't help that the two girls were dead silent in the back of the entire conversation. She told me to have a good day, and as I walked away, she honked at me again. I whipped my head around, completely freaked out, and she just smiled and waved at me. I booked it home after that, locked my doors, and waited for my dad and sisters to get home. When they did, I told them what happened. My dad was nonchalant about it, told me to not walk up to cars next time. My sister, on the other hand, was super freaked out and even now doesn't want me to bring it up. My friends think that I met some weird doppelgangers and I kind of agree. Two years later, and I can still remember it. It just weirds me out. Are you loving the show? Let us know with a positive rating and review. In return, we'll help you hide the body. Next up, we hear from an anonymous Reddit user, featuring voice work by Melissa Medina. And we're met by the smiling woman. For context, my mom at the time was working 40 to 50 hours a week, so while on vacation from school, I was responsible for watching my younger sister. I was a high school junior at this time, and I had babysitting experience, so I decided, why not? I didn't get paid to watch my little sister, but she was a relatively good kid, so it wouldn't be a hassle. Before my mom went to work, she gave me the normal rules and told me to make sure I keep my eye on my little sister. I shrugged her off and sat on the couch to watch some TV. My little sister raced down the stairs 15 minutes later and asked me if she could go next door to collect some old dolls our neighbor promised her. It was a sweet old lady who was about 65 and had grandkids me and my sister's age. I told her yes and to be back in five minutes, to which she put on her sandals to retrieve the dolls. At this time, my little sister had a habit of leaving the door open. I didn't mind most of the time because it was hot and we lived in a safe public neighborhood. There was slim to no crime in our neighborhood and everyone knew everyone else. That being said, if you do something bad, your parents will know about it within the hour. I know you're hearing this and thinking how dumb it is to leave the door open, but like I said, we lived in a public place. While my sister was next door, I decided to use the restroom. We have two bathrooms, one half bathroom downstairs for guests and one full bathroom upstairs. While I was in the bathroom downstairs, I could hear my sister slamming the door closed and walking up the stairs to her room. I finished, flushed, washed my hands, 
then sat back on the couch to watch TV. Curious to what my sister got, I called her name. No answer, just a muffled rustling of toys. I decided to leave her alone and turn my attention back to the TV. I was so into the show I was watching, I didn't notice my little sister standing across from me. It didn't click for me that I hadn't heard her come downstairs. I just stared at her, annoyed that she kept staring at me. I paused the TV and asked her what she wanted. She looked at me wide-eyed and told me someone was upstairs. I laughed at her and told her that wasn't funny. She was still visibly scared. I thought she was joking. I asked her if she came back home a few minutes ago and she said no. She said the door was closed and pointed to the disregarded box of dolls by the back door. I walked into the kitchen, called my dad to come over, and grabbed a big knife from the kitchen drawer. Walking back into the living room, I told my little sister to go into the bathroom and lock the door behind her. I told her not to open it until I told her mom's home so she would know it's me. I crept up the stairs and peeked into each room until I got to my little sister's door. It was cracked open and toys and clothes now littered her normally organized room. I didn't wait. I kicked open the door and flicked on the light. My blood turned cold. In my little sister's rocking chair sat a little old woman rocking back and forth with a plastic baby doll. I stepped further into the room and demanded she get the fuck out of my house. I wasn't raised to curse at adults, but this was a strange woman in my little sister's room. She stopped rocking and started to hum the tune to a baby lullaby. The most terrifying part wasn't that she was pretending that the baby was real. It was the unnatural smile stretched across her wrinkled face. She stood up and giggled on the way out and down the stairs. I stood there staring at her room, trying to see if anything was missing. I didn't even notice that she took the doll with her. I walked back downstairs and checked the room before letting my little sister know she can come out after I locked the doors. But then my dad was pulling up in the driveway up front, and I told him what had just happened. He walked around and checked the rooms like I had. While he was upstairs, my little sister told me the old lady knew where she had been and tried to get her to come with her. The creepiest part was what my sister told me. She sounded like she was attempting to sound like me. But when she didn't say mom's home, she stepped away from the door. I don't know who that was that walked into my house to steal my little sister's doll, but let's not meet. We need to get rid of some evidence. Don't go anywhere. Are you crypto curious? If you've thought about entering the world of cryptocurrency but felt a little overwhelmed, first of all, I definitely feel you. But secondly, there's no need to worry because Coinbase makes learning to buy and sell super simple. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy to use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. And in my personal experience, Coinbase is 1000% the way to go. I've used and tried other trading platforms for crypto and none of them come close to how easy and user-friendly Coinbase is. 
If you're looking to just dip your toes in and maybe learn a little bit more about how crypto trading works, I promise you Coinbase absolutely needs to be your first and only destination. They offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and a phenomenal mobile app so you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place, right from your phone. And they support the most popular digital currencies on the market, making them available to everyone. I do all my crypto buying, selling, and trading on Coinbase, and I knew almost nothing about crypto when I first started, but Coinbase made me totally comfortable with the whole process. The interface and user experience will make you never want to look elsewhere for your crypto needs. Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. Whether you're looking to diversify, just getting started, or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase. For a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com disturbed. So sign up at coinbase.com disturbed for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure you sign up today. That's coinbase.com disturbed. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Now back to the deliciously frightful. Disturbed Podcast with your host, Chad. Next up, we check in with Reddit user kperalta77, featuring voice work by Rhiannon Mauschel, and we get drugged by a so-called friend. I am a 27-year-old female. At the time this occurred, I was a senior in high school, angsty and steadily into partying. For this story, I'm going to hide her identity, solely due to the rules on Reddit. Let's call her Kay. Kay almost cost me my life, and I never want to see her again. A little backstory on Kay. She had grown up privileged, given everything she ever wanted. Her parents adopted her five cousins, and this is when she started to rebel. Her parents, well off, started to pay less attention to her, 
So Kay had all the freedom in the world. At the time this incident occurred, Kay was 18 and I had just turned 18. We were headed to a kickback at these guys' house and nothing more than a little bit of weed was expected. Now, I had had my share of smoking weed, popping pills here and there. I just tried ecstasy the summer prior. However, I was planning on staying sober. She picked me up and we stopped to buy cigs at a gas station. I bought a fountain drink, one with the straw and everything. This is crucial for later in the story. We arrive at the apartment and everyone is smoking, including Kay, but I decline. She would always say shit about how she never wanted to be high alone, complain how I never got as high as her. So I obliged and I cleared the bong off her hit, not even taking a full hit. She asked for a drink of my soda and I handed it to her. She had it for a good minute. I had my head turned talking to someone at the kickback. When I looked back at Kay, she was messing with my straw. I didn't think much of it, and she handed it back to me. Within about 30 minutes or so, I start to feel intensely high, to the point that I needed to escape from the group. I go out front to smoke a cigarette, only to find that I couldn't stand up, so I lay down on the front porch. Then, all of these dark thoughts flashed through my mind. I felt so sick, like my stomach was being torn open. I couldn't stand up. I had to crawl to the bushes to throw up. I thought to myself, all of this off clearing a bong? So I laid back down on the porch. The apartment was located on a busy street in the city I live in. I also thought about running into traffic because I felt like I was dying. So I gave myself two options. I could run into traffic, have a car hit me, and end this horrible pain I was in. Or I could get some help, maybe flag someone down. My mind wasn't in the right state. I knew nobody at the kickback would take me seriously. I knew something was terribly wrong. I thought about calling my mom. I must have dialed her number and hung up like five different times. Finally, I called and told her what had happened and that I didn't know why I was so high. Nobody else was feeling the way I felt. What seemed like an eternity later, Kay came outside looking for me. As I'm puking my guts out into the bushes, she asks me if I want to go and get some food. I asked her if she was fucking serious. She laughed as I puked. What I didn't know is that my mother had called my older brother to pick me up since he lived close to where I was. He showed up with a machete ran inside and threatened people. He didn't know who gave me what. It wasn't until I got home that my brother took one look at my eyes and noticed how dilated my pupils were. So they rushed me to the ER. After more puking, of course. My memory there is still a bit fuzzy. I just remember asking my sister-in-law if I was going to die and telling her that I was scared. They ended up sedating me due to the fact that I was yelling and threatening the nurses which is totally out of character for me. They did a talk screen, drug test, and found MDMA, the drug found in ecstasy, along with other drugs in my system. I'm assuming the other drugs were the ones used to make up the ecstasy. Now, this is all frightening and everything. However, what I found out a few days later shocked me to my core. Kay had been to a house party the next night. Somebody there said she had been passing out free ecstasy to four different people, of those four people, three had grand mal seizures and had to be taken to the ER by ambulance. I'm assuming that whatever ecstasy she used was a bad batch. 
Remember when she asked to have a drink of my soda? I assume this is when she dropped the pill inside and it dissolved. She probably crushed it beforehand or something. I have no clue, but at this time in my life, I hadn't done drugs for quite a while, especially not ecstasy. Kay also went on to tell people that I was the one that slipped her the drug, and she had to go to the hospital. She is a pathological liar, and she had to go to therapy for a long time for mental disorders. All of this happened because she wanted me to be high like her. I could have committed suicide because I wasn't in the right frame of mind. It still affects me to this day. It sounds cliche, but I have a hard time trusting people, with this experience among others. I also don't like sharing drinks with friends. I get scared when I go out to a bar or club fearing for the worst. I mean, if my own friend had done this to me, what's stopping a stranger? Do you have your own terrifying encounter? Did something unexplained happen to you? Let us know and get featured on the podcast. Email mystory@disturbedpodcast.com. And finally, we close out the show with our title story, coming to us as an email submission from Mona, featuring voice work by Sarah Thomas. And we have a run-in with the crying woman. This incident happened in the summer of 1990. I was 25 at the time and had just finished my second year of law school. I was excited to be moving to Bemidji for my new job, a summer clerkship at a small law firm. Bemidji is a small city in northern Minnesota, built on the shores of Lake Bemidji and is surrounded by woods and more lakes. It's in the part of the state where Minnesotans have their summer cabins and spend their weekends fishing, boating, and partaking in other water sports. My family didn't have a summer cabin, but I remember taking road trips to Bemidji with my mom, dad, and two older sisters. My dad would pose us in front of the statues of Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox that welcomed visitors to Bemidji. Then we'd walk to Main Street for window shopping and if my parents were feeling generous, we'd each get an ice cream cone. So when I returned to Bemidji many years later to start a summer job, I was glad to find the town had not changed much. Main Street had added a few businesses, but the city had retained its small-town charm and was still a weekend destination for young families. Filled with nostalgia, I rented a tiny house a few blocks from the lakes. I believe this house had been built in the early 20th century. The doorknobs were made of glass, and the light switches were the kind where you push the button instead of flipping a switch. The house had a root cellar accessed through a trap door in the floor of the kitchen, it also had an attic. In the bedroom was a cord that hung from the ceiling. If you pulled on that cord, it would lower a ladder which you climbed to reach the attic. There was even a hand-powered washing machine on the back porch. The antiques lover in me thought this was pretty cool. To give you an idea of how small this house was, when you walked into the house, you were standing in the middle of the living room. There was just enough space for a couch and TV with a braided rag rug in between. If you turned to your left, there was a small nook with a table and four chairs crammed up against the wall. If you turned right, just past this nook, you would be in the kitchen. This was the largest room in the house and had probably last been updated sometime in the 1960s. Off the kitchen were three doors. 
One door led to the bathroom, another to the only bedroom, and a third door led to a back porch. A few nights after moving in, I was sitting in the living room watching the late night local news. I opened a bottle of White Zinfandel and was trying to get comfortable on the cast off piece of upholstered furniture that was serving as a couch. I slowly became aware of a faint sound, like the sound of a baby crying. I could hear it for a few seconds and then it would stop. As I listened more closely, it was clear the pauses were not silence, but were muffled sounds, like the sound of someone trying to catch their breath between sobs. I wondered where these sounds were coming from. I turned the volume off on the TV. To my surprise, there was no crying, just silence. I turned the volume back up on the TV and decided to ignore what I had heard. Pretty soon, I heard the crying again, this time louder and closer. There was a window to my left between me and the TV. The window was closed, but I thought perhaps the sound was coming from outside. I remembered as a child, I had been woken up one night by the sound of a baby crying outside my window. The next morning, my dad explained it was not a baby I had heard, but a cat in heat. So I decided to go outside and see if a cat was lurking outside my window. I don't usually venture outside on my own after dark, but I felt safe doing so because this was Bemidji, the home of Paul Bunyan and childhood road trips. Also, the two glasses of wine had made me more impulsive and less cautious. I went out the front door and stood on the tiny porch. There were no street lights. The yard was lit only by stars and by lights from neighboring houses. I walked across the front of the house and peeked around the corner. The light from the living room window illuminated the side of the house. There was nothing there. I went back inside, feeling silly for having come outside at all. I locked the door behind me and sat back down on the couch. I began to feel a sense of dread. I sat there, staring at the TV, not paying attention to the 70s sitcom that was playing now after the news. I sat, waiting, certain the crying would return. And it did. Only this time, it was louder and closer. It was coming from directly behind me. The couch was against the wall, and the other side of the wall was my bedroom. Whatever was making this sound was in the house with me. The woman who had only minutes before walked outside alone in the dark yard was now quivering on the couch. My thoughts started racing. How did a cat get in the house? Was it a cat? It's gotta be a cat. Should I look for it? Should I call someone? Who do I call? I don't know anyone who I can call this late at night. Am I imagining this? I must be imagining this. I sat there on the couch, not seeing the TV, not even hearing the TV, only hearing the crying. The crying got louder. It seemed to be enveloping me. I couldn't ignore it. I pulled myself off the couch and began to move past the nook and into the kitchen. The crying got louder as I approached the kitchen. I turned the kitchen light on. Everything looked normal, except the door to the bedroom was closed. It was my habit to leave the doors within the house open. As I lived alone, I saw no reason to close them. I stared at the closed bedroom door. I could hear the crying very clearly now. I thought, how could I have mistaken this for a cat? This was the sound of a woman who was crushed by sorrow, by despair. Something truly horrible must have happened to her. 
she was in a place far beyond comforting, beyond consoling. This crying sound became almost tangible and seemed to envelop me like a lead blanket. It bore down on me like a great weight. I felt heavy, smothered. I began to cry. The fear was gone, but was replaced with overwhelming sadness. I walked to the bedroom door and opened it. The room was dark, and the sobbing rushed out at me like wind. I felt on the wall for the light button and pushed it. Immediately, the crying stopped. The room was empty. Everything was still, except the cord that pulls the ladder down from the ceiling and leads to the attic. The cord was swinging back and forth. I stayed in the house until the end of summer when I returned to the cities into my third and final year of law school. The day I moved out, my neighbors saw me loading up my car and came over to say goodbye. We had become friends over the summer, and I was going to miss seeing her around. She was young and pretty, and her name was Jenny. She was a teacher at the local high school. She said, now that I was moving out, she could tell me what had happened in the house last spring, right before I moved in. She hadn't told me before because she hadn't wanted to scare me. The prior owner committed suicide in her bedroom. Jenny told me this with a mixture of eagerness and having something interesting to share and something else. I think it was remorse. Jenny said the prior owner in whose house I had lived had also been a teacher at the high school. She was a middle-aged woman who had never married, lived alone, and kept to herself. Jenny thought her neighbor valued her privacy and they never really got to know each other. Their conversations never seemed to progress past small talk. This was why, on the night of the suicide, Jenny did not go next door when she heard her neighbor crying during the late night news. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. Submit your own experience to the show in writing or through our hotline, all at disturbedpodcast.com. Disturbed is an independent production funded through advertising and your support. And if you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast to learn more. And let's shout out our newest supporters. Samuel Harris. Stacy Thuiz, Tara Rogers, Taya, Sarah C, Anna Rivera, Kenneth Gunderson, Alana Hicks, Rachel Williamson, Gabriella Solis, Audrey Lancaster, and Russ. They all get instant access to our catalog of bonus episodes, ad-free listening, and 24-hour early episode releases, and you can too. Patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. Music by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.